on. Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. Looked like y'all had that old-fashioned choir singing in your soul this morning. I love that song. Well, welcome to church. I'm glad that you're here today on this rainy Sunday morning, but what a great place to be. Great spirit this weekend. God has been working in our lives. As we continue our series, Rebuild Series, and during this series, we're rebuilding our identity in Christ, and uh, many of us have put our identity in people and things, and over the years, we've put our identity in our work and our jobs, our money, our feelings, and, and uh, the labels that other people have given us, and we uh, discovered, and many of you made the commitment last month to put your identity in Christ, and now we need to rebuild that and build our identity on Jesus Christ, our cornerstone. Last week, we discovered that we are the living stones that Christ will use to build his church and the importance of community in discovering and rebuilding our identity. Our, first, our key verse, one of our key verses for today is from 1 Peter chapter 2. Can we all just stand a minute and let's read this scripture together? I just want to see you stand up and read this scripture together. I think you read better uh, when you're standing up. We read better together. So you ready? And now you have become... See, I am sending Christ to be the carefully chosen, precious cornerstone of my church, and I will never disappoint those who trust in him. Now, before you sit down, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you are a living stone. All right. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. You guys are fired up. Y'all the most fired up service we've had this weekend. It's been... You know, I believe the Saturday night service smokes pot because they come in, they're like, they're like all laid back and Sunday morning is like <laughs> the nine o'clock service. You guys are ready to go. Uh, I don't think the Saturday night smokes pot. I just said that. But. <laughs> uh, so as, uh, so we learned, <laughs> so, so let's start over. It's good to see y'all back on the front row this morning. Hope I get a little stuff on you today. So as living building stones, we rebuild our identities on Jesus Christ, who is our cornerstone. And today we're going to talk about the importance of holiness in rebuilding our identity. Uh, again, one of our, uh, our key verses uh, for today is from 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 9 says, But you are not like that. In other words, you were once lost, but now you're not. You once were a pagan, and now you're not. You are a believer, for you now are a chosen people. Let those words kind of sink in. You are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others, you can spread hope, share hope with others. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You were once lost. You were once uh, headed to hell and living a life of sin. And now that you have committed your life to God, you are now a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. Now that'll change your identity. There are two things I'd like to point out in this verse when it comes to holiness and our identity. First is, if your identity is in Christ, in other words, if you are a born-again believer and you find your identity in Christ and he lives in your soul, then holiness is in your DNA. Holiness is in your DNA. We are a holy nation. We are a holy people. 
We are God's very own possession. If we are uh, in Christ, then holiness is in our DNA. Secondly, a call to holiness is a community project. And, our, and, and rebuilding our identity in Christ is accomplished best in community. You'll notice that the verse says that we are one nation. We are a holy nation. We, and we can't, if it's a nation, we can't be a holy nation alone. We can't make it on our own. No matter what society says, no matter what our culture tells us, that we don't need anybody. I can do this on my own. We need each other. God established the church because he realized that we need each other. And that's why the early church was always meeting together. Why do they do that? It's because there is strength in community. That's why we're here today, and that's why we believe in small groups. I hope you're continuing to meet in your small groups, and they're going well for you. But we are community. We are community called by God to live passionate, holy lives for Jesus Christ. But we can't do it without community. So, so now... Uh, let's learn more about holiness. Let, let me ask you a question. Now, when I first stood here today and I said uh, the word holy or said holiness, uh, when I mentioned that word, what comes to your mind? Holy or holiness? Uh, I'm sorry? A God life? Somebody said something in the back, but you got to say it a little louder. God? Pure heart? Right standing with God? Set apart. The imitation of Jesus. Got to get a preacher in there. <laughs> That's right. Anybody else? Divine intervention. That's good. You know, we got all these things that come to our mind. You know, you might even have come to your mind uh, these uh, hollow-eyed uh, stone statue godlike figures. You know, for some it might be beards and sandals and long robes and stone-cold rooms or cold baths, fasting, religion, and stained glass. For others, it might be like rules. When you think of holiness, you think, you think like it might be like rules, like don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't cuss, and don't date girls or boys who do that. Or we think it's about doing more spiritual things, you know, uh, like I need to read my Bible more or pray more or give more or talk more spiritual. The word holy in our culture today is like the term nerd. You know, in our culture today, uh, holiness is not thought of as a virtue, but as a vice. And even today, it might be insulting to you if someone would say, well, you're just, well, you're just a holy guy, or you're just a holy girl. It might, you know, lady, it might be insulting to be thought of by holy, to be holy by your friends. Even the church, holiness is becoming rare. Rabbi Zacharias tells the story of a man who applied for a job at the zoo. And the only job opening at the zoo was for someone to play the part of a monkey. Uh, a, a lot of children would be coming in uh, the next few days and, uh, and the zoo had zero monkeys. And, and they needed someone to impersonate a monkey. And since he needed, he needed work really bad, the man decided to take the job. He arrived before sunrise, he put on the costume, the monkey suit, and he slipped into the cage. And finally the sun came up and the children become, start arriving and they start gathering around the, uh, the monkey cage. And his job was to pace the floor and swing from vine to vine, from tree to tree, and eat peanuts and bananas anytime somebody uh, gave him, fed them 
uh, peanuts and bananas. After eight or ten hours, you can imagine, he was completely exhausted and the, the bananas and the peanuts were beginning to make him sick. And as he swung from, wow, did you see it? As he swung from one tree to the other, he slipped and fell into the lion's den next door. And he was scared to death and he started shouting, help, help, somebody help me. Then the lion leaned over and whispered, shh, if you don't shut up, we're both going to lose our jobs. <laughs> Have you ever felt like you're faking it as a Christian? That somehow you just got this Christian suit on and, and you're swinging from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing and, and really just living this kind of fake light, especially when you uh, start hearing words like, without holiness, no one will see God. Wow. Without holiness, no one will see God. Let's face it, none of us are very good at living a holy life. Yet God says, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Evaluate your week this week. You must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. And so we begin to act holy and we begin to do holy things that we think are holy things so that we can be holy as God is holy. You must be holy, he says, because I am holy. When it comes to holiness, questions come to mind like, can I really be holy? It's impossible. I can't be perfect. Will I ever be holy? Is it something God does in us or is it all on me to make it happen? And these are all great questions. And theologians have struggled for years to agree on the answers. And if you'd gather 10 or 12 pastors in the room, they, we'd all have a different thought on those questions. And, but I read an illustration this week that might help, uh, uh, help us understand. It's about a portrait of a man sculptured out of a block of marble, and it was hanging in the doctor's office. And the sculpture was complete down to about mid-thigh, but below that, uh, below that, the partially chipped away marble gradually phased into an outline of the original block of marble. The man in the sculpture was handsome and robust, much like me. Uh, but the fascinating thing about the picture was that the sculpture's hammer and chisels, chisel were in his hands, uh, in the hands of the man being sculpted. Now the man was sculpting himself. And, and, as you, and as I thought about that, as you think about that, it's a great illustration of how sometimes believers try to live a holy life. You know, we, we try, as it were, to, to sculpt or to mold ourselves to be holy. We try uh, to live a holy life through our own efforts. I mean, we try, try, try. We try to keep all the rules and do all the right things and say all the right things. I mean, we suck it up and we use all the willpower that we have in our life because we want to be holy as he is holy because he says that without holiness, no man will see the Lord and I want to see the Lord so I will do what I can do to be holy. And we're just as ridiculous as a marble trying to, uh, block a marble trying to sculpture itself. So how, how does it work? Well, the Bible teaches us that holiness is conformity to the character of God. In other words, becoming more like Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. 
It, it, it is God's plan for us. It's, it's part of our identity when we are in Christ. And the Bible says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Now, to those who know God, he also predestined those who choose to follow him to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And then Paul says, we are being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing an ever-increasing glory, which come from, comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, the words conform and transform in these verses have the same root meaning. A form is a pattern or a model. Transform speaks of the, of the process. Conformed speaks of the end result. Now, we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ so that we might one day be conformed to be like who Jesus is, who, who, to be like Jesus, who is our pattern and our model. So who then transforms us? Paul tells us in the same verse that it's the Holy Spirit. We are not sculpting ourselves into the likeness of Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Now, if we are in Christ and our identity is in Christ and we're believers in Jesus Christ, when we invited God, when we invited God into our lives, when we said to Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Savior, the Holy Spirit moved right in and he took up residence in our lives. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives and resides in us. Holiness lives in us. Because God is holy and God lives in us. We are not sculpturing ourselves into the likeness of Christ. The Holy Spirit is doing that. And Paul prayed a similar prayer for the Thessalonian believers. He said, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. What sanctify means? Sanctify means to make holy, to be separated, to be, separate, to be uh, set apart for God's use, to be God's vessel, to be God's very own possession. In other words, he sanctifies you, makes you holy through and through. Now, we as believers can no more make ourselves holy than a block of marble can transform itself into a uh, beautiful statue. We are, as believers, totally dependent on the Holy Spirit to transform us. You, you, yet, don't we try to make ourselves holy? I mean, if we were truly honest, and, and maybe in your uh, small groups this week, you could talk about how you do that, how we try to make ourselves holy. I mean, we make resolutions. I mean, the beginning of the year, we make resolutions. That we say, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to not do this. I'm going to give this up. I'm going to do, you know, we, and we try hard, 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 hard as we can to keep those resolutions. We try as hard as we can to swing from vine to vine to vine to vine to vine, trying to keep all the rules, keep everything just right so that we can be holy. We suck it up and we sometimes succeed in changing just a little bit. Just changing a little bit in the way we act. But, we need, but what we need is not more willpower. What we need, folks, is a heart transformation. And only God can do that. Only God can take our hearts and transform them into being the person that God created us to be, to be more like Jesus, to be transformed into Jesus and his likeness. You know, to be transformed in his likeness than it is to be brought to where, and that is, means that we're brought to where we love righteousness and hate sin, as Jesus did. That we, that we love righteousness. 
and we hate sin just as Jesus did. This is more than just changing our, 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 our conducting, our, our conforming to a set of rules. It's more than just following rules. It's a complete transformation of our heart, and it's something that only God can do in our lives through the Holy Spirit. It's only what God can do through the Holy Spirit. But then the Bible says we have a part in it as well. In Hebrews, it says, make every effort, make every effort. Do whatever you can to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. So then it's clear that God's part is to transform our heart and we have a responsibility. Uh, uh, we have a part in living a holy life. What then are our responsibilities in being holy as he is holy? There are five words that summarize our responsibilities. Surrender, renew, watch, choose, and pray. Now first, I must surrender my life completely to God. Paul says in Romans, therefore, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy. Now do you understand God's mercy? God's mercy is this, folks. You and I were sinners. We are sinners. We were lost. We were in the same stinking boat. We were all headed for hell, and we were destined to die and go to hell because of our sin. But Jesus stepped in, and he took our place, and he died on the cross for our sins. He shed his blood on Calvary's cross so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. That is mercy, folks. That is God showing us his mercy. So then if God has shown us mercy, then it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of this mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In other words, God, I am so grateful, I am so overwhelmed, I am so thankful, God, that you died on the cross for me, you sent your son to take my place, that I am so grateful, here I am, God, here I am. I offer myself as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing unto you, Lord, because you've shown me mercy, God. You did your part, God, and you saved me, and I want to thank you, and the way I thank you, God, is here I am. Here I am. I offer you. I offer you my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What that means is I offer my life completely to God. Uh, to offer means I surrender control of my life to God. I mean, I give it over to God. You know, we love to be in control. We love to control our marriage. We love to control our environment. We love to control things in our life. But we're saying, God, I surrender control. I'll wave the white flag, God. I surrender. I, and I, So I don't offer my life to God and then tell God how to use the offering. God, here I am. I offer you my body. My, my, my whole life I offer to you as a living sacrifice. But God, I want you to do it this way. I'll offer it if you do this. To offer means I surrender completely. I hand over. I hand it over. I, handing it over to God, believing that God knows what's best for my life. He created me. He knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And if that doesn't make him qualified to be Lord of my life, if that doesn't make him qualified to know what's best for me, then I don't know what does. 
And when I offer my life to God, I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to live my life completely dependent on you. Lord, I'll offer you my life to you, hands down. Lord, I want to be, I want to be your wonderful possession. Lord, I want to be all yours, hands down. I want you, Lord, to be my boss. Lord, I want you to be my king. I want you to be my leader. I want you to be my CEO. I want you to be boss. God, I want you to be in control of my life, to be in complete control, in complete charge of my life. You call the shots, God. I surrender. I surrender. I don't even have to understand it, but I'm living my life on your terms, God, and not mine. And what God wants me wants becomes my way of life. What God wants becomes my way of life. Lord, I dedicate my entire life to you. So have at it, God. Here I am. Next, I need to renew my mind. Paul says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He's not talking about filling our minds with more information. You know, I, I know a lot of people that, that, that know far more Scripture than I do. They know far more Greek than I do. They know far more Hebrew than I do. I know some people can quote nearly the whole New Testament. I mean, there are people that just know the Bible from cover to cover. And I can tell you right now, that will not make you holy. That will not make you holy. He's not talking about filling our minds with information. He's talking about changing the values we live by. Changing the values which we live by, which are the exact opposite of the values of the world. If you buy into the values of the world, then you're not buying into God's values. And renewing our mind is living by God's values and not the values of this world. He's talking about changing our values. But in order to change our values, we must know what God's values are. And we must know the truth about sin and righteousness before we can hate the one and love the other. We got to know what, what it means. Our heart cannot love or hate what our minds know nothing about. So how do we learn the values we live by? We do that when we read the Bible. We do that when we study the Word of God. We are transformed by the Holy Spirit. But he does this as our minds are renewed by his Word and his Word is found in the Bible. Our, our minds are renewed by reading and meditating and thinking about, about it, memorizing his word and doing all that, but then doing what it says. You can memorize, I mean, you can read, you can study, you can think about it, you can do all that, but if you don't do what it says, it will not change your values. Next, I must watch out for temptation. Jesus says, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. So that means we must continually watch or guard against temptation so we can live a life of holiness. Now the Bible says in James that temptation comes from within us. The Bible says in James, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Now how many of you have ever said the, the devil made me do it? That's a lie. It's, it's the evil, it's our own evil desires that, that, that cause that and is dragged away and enticed. We must face the fact that evil desires lie in wait in our hearts. The Bible says so. Watch out for temptations means that we learn what those evil desires are. We learn that we learn what evil desires that are hiding out in our heart and when and how we are most vulnerable to them. 
I'm telling you, if you don't know where your temptation's at, if you don't know where your, your weakness is at, if you don't know where you're vulnerable at, I can promise you this, the devil's going to wedge his little self in there and you are going to fall to temptation. Now, temptation is not sin. You realize that, right? We're all tempted. Jesus was tempted, yet he was without sin. Temptation is not sin. And, and, and so as our minds are renewed and our values change, we begin to recognize the temptations that we didn't notice. But we must make a conscious decision to keep from falling into those temptations. You got to know, number one, you got to find out what they are. You got to recognize what they are. And then you got to make a conscious effort to say, I'm not going to fall for that. Most of us know our areas of vulnerability. And so we should make every effort to guard against temptations, the temptations with them. Next, I must choose to be obedient. Every day, every day we're faced with a steady stream of opportunities to obey God or not. So we must make the choice that each time I have the opportunity, I'm going to be obedient. Sometimes that choice to be obedient may require that you think about it for a bit. Others will need to be made instantly. You know, when you got that little voice that says, oh, go ahead, it's okay. Or that little voice that says, man, I don't know about that. I don't think you should be involved in that. I love you and I don't think that's good for your life. You're going to mess up. You see, we're faced with those choices all day, every day. Sometimes uh, someone may cut you off in traffic. Now, you can either respond in anger and flip them off. I used that finger. You can flip them off. Or, or, or you can cut them off in traffic and you can pull up beside them and, yang, 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 and cuss them out. You can do all that. Or you can choose to show grace. To say, wow, they might be having a bad day or, you know, they don't know Christ yet. And there's, you know, you can show them a little grace. Or the cashier gives me, at the restaurant, gives me too much change. I can choose to keep it. Say, wow, scored on that one. Or I can give it back. I can choose to tell the truth or to lie. I had someone this week say to me, I had to tell a couple little white lies. White lies? <laughs> so it's okay to tell, as long as they're white lies, go ahead. <laughs> if they get you out of trouble, just paint it white and then it's okay. Folks, a lie is a lie is a lie. It's a lie. You can either choose to lie or you can tell the truth or you can choose to forgive or, or to harbor resentment. I can choose to act on lustful thoughts. I mean, I can say, woo, baby, and I can go with it. Or I can refuse to dwell on them. You know, if I, if I struggle with pornography on the internet, then get rid of the internet. You say, well, I can't do without the internet. Well, then just go ahead and live an unholy life and let it tear up you and your family. You know, I, I can choose to respond to the opportunities to show compassion and care for others, or I can choose to ignore them and be selfish. And I can say to you, choices like these made over time develop our character in one direction or the other. You know, our, our choices also rebuild our identity in Christ, one choice at a time. The choices we make each day determines the person that we'll be in the future. Finally, we must pray. We pray for God to renew our minds. 
as we study the Bible and meditate on his truth, we, we should pray that God will make us aware of and give us the power uh, to overcome the temptations that we're vulnerable to and ask God to show us where we're not living holy lives. We need to ask God to reveal to us matters in which we are not living according to truth. And we should pray to God for the power and strength to choose right, to say no to temptation and yes to his will. And most importantly, we should pray that God will cleanse our deeply rooted evil desires so that we will, like Jesus, love righteousness and hate sin. I think one of the biggest questions that you can ask yourself on this road to holiness that we're all on in our DNA, that we have holiness in our DNA, do you love sin? Or do you hate sin? Do you love righteousness? More than you love sin? Have you come to realize how much sin has destroyed your life and the consequences of sin? You know, Paul says that he's the chief sinner. Well, I must be the assistant chief sinner. Because I can tell you sin has just about, has, has just about destroyed my life, my family, my marriage, and everything about me. And I got to tell you right now, I hate sin. I hate what sin does to people. I hate what sin does to our children. I hate what sin has done to our world. Sin has destroyed us. And God in his mercy has come so that you and I do not have to allow sin to destroy us and that he can plant within us his love and his grace and his righteousness. And then we can come to that point, folks, where we love righteousness and we hate sin. That's a fact. And that's a test of holiness in your life. If you still say, well, a little white lie, a little sin here, a little sin there, what's it hurt? It hurts you. It hurts your relationship with the Lord. It hurts your relationship with your spouse. It hurts your relationship with your children. It hurts your relationship with your coworkers. And it destroys you one lie at a time. White or black. We need to ask God to cleanse us the deeply rooted evil desires so that we will be like Jesus where we love righteousness and hate sin. We cannot effectively surrender our lives, renew our minds uh, through God's word, watch out for temptation or choose what is right without the power of the Holy Spirit. We must be faithful in these disciplines. But we can only be effective in them as the Spirit empowers us. You know the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in us as believers. And that same spirit can raise us and cleanse us and make us into the people that he wants us to be. And he, the spirit, empowers us and blesses our efforts. Here's something important for us to remember. We, will not fall, we must not fall into the temptation, the trap of thinking that being disciplined will make us more like Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can transform a heart. We must surrender, renew, watch, choose, and pray, but only God can produce spiritual growth in us that leads to holy living. Only God can do that. We must remember that we are dependent on God to help us be disciplined, to do our responsibility, and know that once we have done our responsibility, we must still look to God to transform our lives. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. 
So I was in Smithfield this week, had a great week in Smithfield with some Salem fielders and some people there in Smithfield. And, and, uh, and I was at the hotel and I was trying to do my message. We'd go over in the mornings and um, I didn't even know there was a four o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> we'd go over there and, and we'd work a couple hours and I came back to the hotel and working on my message and thinking about holiness, thinking about holiness, thinking about it. And I asked the lady at the desk there at the hotel, I said, ma'am, can I ask you a question? She said, sure. I said, what comes to your mind when I say the word holiness? I, I, don't, I didn't know a thing about her. I just saw her there and I thought, well, let's ask. And here's what she said first. She said, when I think of holiness, I think of religion. Wow. I said, yep, I can understand that. And then what she said next kind of blew me away. It just kind of blew me away. Still thinking on that. I asked her if I could use that in a sermon. She said, sure. I don't even know if she knew what a sermon was. <laughs> she said this. She said, I think of religion. And then she said this. When I think of holiness, it means something's got a hold of you. Something's got a hold of you. Think on that for a minute. Something's got a hold of you. And, though, and I thought, isn't that really what holiness is? I mean, if we're living a life, a holy life, if we're surrendered to God, if we've laid it on the altar and we have sacrificed our lives to God and we said, God, you are the boss, you are in control, holiness living means that something's got a hold of you. And that something is Jesus Christ. He's got a hold of you. He has got a hold of your heart. He's got a hold of your life. And, and, and he has control of your life. And the question is, does Jesus have a hold of you today? Are you still on your own? Are you still calling the shots? When we call the shots, the consequences are on us. When we call the shots, the consequences are on us. Does Jesus have a hold of you today? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we serve a holy God. God, Lord, that not only asks us to be holy, but provides a way for us to be holy. So, Father, I pray today for all those that are gathered here, those that are online today. I pray, God, that, that God, I just pray today, if you don't have a hold of us, that today we will let go and let you have a hold on our lives. Father, fill us today with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Cleanse us, Father, of the evil that lurks in our hearts today. Purify us, Lord. Motivate us, God, to be the holy people, God, that you want us to be, God. Do something in our lives that, God, turns around this sin and righteousness. And, Lord, we, we'll give up on sin and live for righteousness, Lord. Live a righteous life by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people of Salem Fields Community Church, Lord. I just thank you for this opportunity today, Lord, to share your word. And I pray, Lord, if I've said something today that, that's not about you, then God, I just pray that, God, you will just help us forget that. But, Lord, if it's from you, may it just dwell in our hearts. May the peace of God sanctify us, make us holy through and through. God, it's in our DNA. It's in our identity. It's who we are in Christ. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we all stand?
You know, I preach this message, but believe me, that doesn't say I got it down, okay? But it means that I'm striving every day and surrendering every morning. When I get up, I surrender my life to God. Because you know, living sacrifices crawl off the altar. But I tell you, I don't want to go back. I don't want anything or anybody to have hold of my life but Jesus. And if your desire is today to live a holy life and you just want to surrender today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you know that you just know that you know that you need to surrender, that you need to wave the white flag, that you need to allow Jesus Christ to have hold of your heart, to have hold of your life, I just invite you during this song, you don't have to, you can do it in your seat, but wow, what a great place to come and place your living sacrifice on the altar and say to God, here I am, I'm yours. It's your call. God's here. He wants to help us. God bless you. Let's sing together.
God, as we leave here, Lord, God, we believe that you have spoken to us here this morning. So God, whatever it is of those things that you are calling out in us, Father, that you're calling us to surrender to you, that you're calling us to repent of, that you're calling us to step out in faith and obedience to you, God, I pray, Lord, that we will not leave here carrying those things, but that we will have laid them down at the altar before you, Jesus, and that through you, through you empowering us, through you transforming us, Father God, and through you leading us, we can be free of those things. And that we can walk, Father God, healed, whole, and restored. God, we trust in you. We thank you so much for everything that has taken place here today, God. And we give you all honor, all glory, and all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. We love you all. And we'll see you right back here next weekend.